This is the Tribe of Millionaires podcast from Go Abundance. The tribe of healthy, wealthy, generous people who choose to live epic lives. Listen Tuesdays for featured guests and Fridays for Go Abundance member spotlights. But listen always to hear how our guests have grabbed life big. Now, here's your host, Jamie Gruber. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the show. We got a guy on today, a GoBundance member uh, that we're featuring on the Tuesday episode because he's had he's done some pretty significant things that I wanted to him for him to tell his story today versus on our regular Friday episode. His name is Anthony Tolliver. Uh, he is a 14-year NBA veteran, not officially retired. I don't think he can he can share that. Uh, but he's also an author. Uh, he's uh, got the Foundation for Financial Excellence books, which teach teaches uh, college athletes, especially about financial planning and just the, the power of finance. Um, and also a businessman. This guy has his hands in a lot of different things. He's, he's sort of a renaissance man, father, husband, just an incredible guy. I had the privilege of meeting recently, and I'm, I'm so, so glad to have him on the show today. So Anthony, welcome. Thank you, sir. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Thanks for being here. So let's dive into your backstory. Let's start with basketball, because you told me once that you have never been the best player on any team that you've played on. Even going back to, was it Kickapoo High School or whatever it was called? Going yep. back all the way that far, you've never been the best player on a team. Explain that to me, please, since you've had a, a long and storied NBA career. How were you never the best player? Uh, pretty simple. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just, <laughs> I, you know, honestly, going back to high school, I've had the, the pleasure of playing with some really, really good players. So that always is good, right? Like when you, when you're a competition that you play against every single day is pretty elite, that's going to, that's going to, you know, heighten your ability to get better as well. So um, me not being the best player on my team uh, growing up and everything, it helped me. It helped me a lot. It helped me to prepare for the days that I'm in now, uh, as far as being a role player and being on teams and knowing that, I know I'm not the best player. They don't need me to be the best player. I just need to be the best in my particular position uh, and fill my role the best way I know how to. So uh, that's, uh, I think that's a huge reason why my transition into uh, the NBA has been really, I've done really well with it and, and been able to fill a role really well because it's something I've been doing pretty much since like middle school. So. Let's go back to that. So talk about the role player, middle school, like tell us a little bit more about you, where you're from and kind of your path to the NBA. And then we'll pivot a bit later to your entrepreneurship uh, endeavors. So yeah, give us kind of the background on you. So I am from Springfield, Missouri, uh, small, smaller town, not, not super small, about 180,000 people. Hmm. Um, it went to Kickapoo High School, like you said. It had a few other division one uh, athletes on our high school basketball team. So we were pretty good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I think we were my senior year. I think we finished 11th in the nation as far as uh, the ranking goes. So really good high school team went from there, went on to go play at Creighton university in Omaha, Nebraska. And, um, Played there for four years, got my finance degree. And, scholarship, uh, walk on. How did you go to Creighton? Scholarship, 
Yeah, bull ride. Uh, it's too expensive for me to go, have gone there. <laughs> I've gone there without a scholarship, uh, especially my mom being a, a, a teacher for 31 years. Def, definitely didn't have the, the coins to be able to send me to a school like Creighton. So was very fortunate to get a college scholarship to go to there and have a great education and meet some amazing, great people, including my wonderful, awesome, incredible wife who also went to Creighton and uh, graduated in 2007 with me, with me. And then I uh, did not get drafted. So, you know, a lot of people who get to have a 10 plus year career in the NBA, most of the time you're going to be, you know, drafted and, you know, you have time, you, you get a second chance, third chance, and you might have that 10 year career. Whereas for me, I didn't get drafted. so. Every single year I was in the NBA was a reproving myself year, and uh, which made me, you know, a better player, made me a better person, made me everything. Uh, just everything is is uh, my entire journey in it being kind of based around that has been a huge blessing uh, to ultimately who I've become. So, anyways, so that is uh, kind of me in a nutshell from a yeah. basketball standpoint. And uh, I started investing literally a few months after I started playing professional basketball because I had to get a few checks in the, in the, in the, uh, in the bank account before I could invest. But pretty much the first thing I did was buy a single family home back in Springfield as an investment property. So it was, uh, I had to, you know, I wanted to jump into the real estate game immediately and, you know, that just kind of catapulted me into a lot of other stuff. Makes sense. So uh, real quick, as an aside, did any of the other guys you played with in high school that went D1, did they make it to the NBA or are you the only one? I am, to my knowledge, I'm the only guy to ever come out of Springfield, Missouri to play in the NBA. Wow. So wow. we've had a few others play professional basketball and there might be somebody back in like the forties or fifties, right? <laughs> I, for some reason, I'm, I, I think like there was a, a really, really famous high school team back in the forties or fifties, like the Jolly Green Giants that their Parkview, which is a school that's 10 minutes from my high school that for some reason, I'm, I'm thinking that one of those guys might've made the NBA back in the fifties, you know, something like that. But other than that, uh, any modern day, I'm the only one. We won't count them. We're not counting. Yeah. We'll, we'll count modern day. I like it. So you're the only one that made it from this team. We'll cut, touch on that in a moment. But your beginnings in the NBA or in professional basketball, you started, I think, D-League, Germany. You were in a few different places before you made it to the NBA. Can you just talk a little bit about that journey? Do you think that the fact that you had, well, first of all, I'll talk about the journey, but I'm wondering if that that sort of path there was what maybe made you immediately start thinking about, okay, I don't know when the next check's coming, so I got to invest my money. Like, was that the blessing of, of maybe starting at the D-League international level? Yes, that's definitely one of the, the blessings of, of being, you know, out of the league or not in the league and getting a chance to taste what the league tasted like, getting in there my rookie year, playing, going through a training camp with the Cavaliers. So I was teammates with LeBron James, you know, for like a month. Uh, getting a taste of what the NBA life was like and then going to the D-League, right? Uh, I was like, 
well, this sucks. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't want to do this for 10 years, but I'll sure do the other stuff for 10 years up in the NBA. So uh, it just gave me a, a really, really good foundation of perspective and say, all right, like, I, I know what my goal is. I know where I need to be. I've experienced it now. And now I'm going to go, I'm just going to go fully after it, whatever it takes to get back there, I'm going to do it. And so, but then playing in the D in the D league as a D league, then now it's the G league. Uh, it gave me so much more appreciation for being in the NBA, whether that be for one minute or one year or 10 years, uh, I never lost perspective on how blessed I was to be in the NBA because of my times in the D league. And then also playing overseas as well, you know, made a lot more money playing overseas than in the D league, but it was also overseas, right? You're away from your family. People can't get to you easily. You know, you turn on the TV, they don't speak English and which is, you know, just, you're just, that's just a part of, you know, <laughs> being in another country, right? You're spe- they're speaking German if you're in Germany or they're speaking Turkish if you're in Turkey because that's their language. But, you know, me being from America, I'm like, all right, I need to get back to America, <laughs> right? So it's just definitely gave me so much more perspective and it gave me more re- realization that like, this is not going to last forever. So me investing is going to help me create you know, longer term uh, foundational wealth for myself, my, my wife and my kids at that time in the future. So you, how do you, how do you stay, how do you stay so disciplined and hungry? And, and before we started recording, you were talking about, you know, I jokingly said, ah, not retired, but you're kind of in this place of like, ah, I could, I, I might, might take a contract. You're, you're in that place, but you're staying in shape, right? That's the one thing you were doing before this. Like you have this routine you're sticking to, to maintain uh, the, the readiness. If you do get uh, the right contract and you jump into it, that's great. But then even now, like you've been, a, I mean, you're a 14 year NBA vet, like you made it right. The D league is way in the past. What's G league, by the way, what does that mean? What is a G? Uh, it's G stands for Gatorade. So they, oh. they paid for the naming rights of the, of the D league. Smart. Those so, marketing genes. Yeah. But, you know, th- your G League or D League days are way behind you. Your international days are way behind you. I mean, you've settled into, you've made a, a nice career, 14-year NBA career, you know, not bad money, good lifestyle, all of that stuff. But, man, you've only accelerated, it feels like, into the, well, I know you have, into the investment ranks. And, you know, your, your discipline remains. Like, how do you keep that when you're, when you're, when you're in this, you know, kind of cushy spot, I guess you could say, of being a veteran NBA player at this point? How do you maintain this discipline, this drive, this workmanlike sort of focus that you keep? Do you have routines, habits? What do you do? Yeah, I mean, all the above. I mean, routines, <laughs> habits. I mean, it's what it's just who I am, though, right? Like it, it, it but it, it wasn't just who I woke up. I wasn't like this right. when I was 14, right? Like it was, it was routines and habits that I put into place when I was 14 that are carrying over to my success in the NBA and then also my success in business. And it's just, you know, creating self-discipline and, and putting yourselves in a position to, to build self-discipline is maybe the biggest reward you can give yourself is one of the biggest gifts you can give yourself is, is keeping yourself accountable to the things you say you're going to do and do them. And, and, and you have goals and okay. So having goals and 
actually achieving goals are two different things, right? Everybody can have goals, but if you don't put into place the practices to actually achieve those goals, goals are just dreams. Like their dreams mean nothing if you don't do anything to, to get to those dreams or to those goals. Sure. So, you know, for me, it's just been about, okay, basketball has always been for me, this is not for everybody, but for me, it's always been a very easy discipline because I love the game so much. It's been a really, really easy every day for the last 15 years, waking up and thinking, how do I get better today? I'm going to get in the gym. I'm going to, you know, maybe get a workout in, maybe a lift in, maybe get, maybe go swim, you know, but I'm going to get my work in, right? Because I have to get better. And it's, it's just a matter of it's just every single day, every single day. Well, <clears throat> what's happened is, you know, over the past year plus or so, I've really been focused so much more on my business. Um, still doing basketball stuff, of course, staying in shape. But I've been so been just applying those same disciplines and the same things over to business. And it's really helped, uh, like you said, accelerate a lot of the things that I have going on because of that work ethic just shifting over. So I wake up, my brain is, yeah, sure. I'll, I'll think about working out at some point, you know, like at maybe an hour or two after I wake up, but my brain goes straight to efficiencies, straight to, all right, how can I get the business better today? How can I increase, you know, efficiencies within everything that I'm doing on the business side? And, you know, it might be, there's just a lot of different things. So in basketball, I think that everybody should do this is for me in basketball, my core motivation was outside of myself, right? It was to provide for my mom and then provide for my family. So I did lose my mom before I was able to really get into the NBA, which was unfortunate. So I just had to re reassess and say, well, what is my motivation now? And it ended up, you know, kind of shifting over to my sisters, my dad, and, and then also my family and friends. So I was like, okay, so I'm utilizing this basketball to create money slash wealth to be able to help and put others in positions to succeed. And so that motivation kind of shifted from my mom to like a more broader, you know, group of people. And now uh, with business, it's the same thing. Is how many different people that are in my circle can I help? Now, I'm not going to be their savior, right? <laughs> you know, but how many other people can I help put in a position to succeed? And that's my that's how I wake up and I think about that daily, which gets me up out of bed, which gets me excited, which gets me working uh, towards those goals. And so for me, it's not it's not hard. It's really not hard at all to get going on those things. Wow. Okay. The, the business side of it, you made a, a comment. It's an easy discipline because I love the game when it came to basketball, you've got these external motivating factors with, you know, family that you're trying to, you're trying to, uh, like you said, not be their savior, family, friends, support, or, or they're, they're your motivation. But when you decide to invest or buy, like, you know, you bigblanket.com is one of the, one of the things that you've had, right. You're, you're uh, you've got the uh, a few different businesses for some reason, a couple of them are escaping me right now, but what is it that you look for when you decide to invest or you have the tequila, the bourbon fund, those things we talked about, right? Like what are the things that you look for when you decide to invest that, that, you know, 
give you that easy discipline that you like that you love? Like, what is it that you love about investing or what things do you fall in love with about an investment before you say, I'm going to go with this. I'm going to buy, I'm going to buy in, I'm going to partner, whatever it is you're going to do. What are the criteria well, you're using, I guess? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I'm sure none of what I'm about to say is going to be mind blowing or <laughs> so crazy unique. We'll um, see. But, <laughs> but the first thing is the people, right? It's the people who are involved, uh, day-to-day people, the founders, if, if, there's, if it's a startup or, or whatever, the CEO or the leaders of the company, you know, it's all of those things, right? Like it, I, want, I want to make sure that the people who are, are running it day-to-day, because I'm not, <laughs> right? Like yeah. that's not what I'm doing. Uh, my day-to-day is, you know, I've worked my entire life so that I can create and have time with my family and do the things that I want and need to do. So, you know, for me, it's like, okay, it's about who, who are those people that are running this thing day to day? Who are those people who founded this company and what are they about, right? Are they, do they know everything? Nobody knows everything, right? Are they perfect? No, but are they surrounding themselves with the things that they're not great at? That's another piece, right? Like, are they surrounding themselves with great numbers people if they aren't great numbers people, maybe they're great marketers, maybe they're great brand people, but if they don't surround themselves with great, you know, ancillary uh, pieces, then it's going to be hard for them to succeed. So I, I look at that. I look at, you know, you know, I, I've, I've invested in a lot of different things, like not just brands, also, also just regular, you know, things. So kind of criteria shifts a little bit from, you know, the people is across the board, doesn't matter. Uh, but you know, if, if it's a brand, now you're talking, okay, like, does it, what, what differentiates that brand from anybody else? Is it just another brand or is it something about this that is unique, that has a chance to stand out? Because in today's world, you have to stand out in order to be really successful. Yeah, you can go sell sheets on the internet right now, you know, and you could probably sell maybe a few hundred thousand dollars worth of sheets over the course of a year. I mean, if you just had some generic sheets that were just solid, but in order, in order for you to be a multi-million dollar company, what's different, right? So those are the types of things that I look at and, you know, pro formas and stuff like that. I mean, at this same. point, <laughs> it's just, uh, I mean, just like, I don't even, almost don't even need to see the pro forma. <laughs> I, it's like, I get it. Like it, you do need to see it because it's, sure. you got to at least make sure that they're thinking the right way. You know, if they're saying, Hey, year one, we're, uh, we're going to make it $2 million year three or year two, we're going to make a hundred million dollars in year three. We're going to make a billion. Then all right, I don't need to do business with these people because they have no clue what they're doing. <laughs> so you almost have to just has, have that as a, a litmus test as, do you just generally know what you're doing from a number sure. standpoint? Um, but other than that, performers mean nothing because performers almost never match up with what actually happens. Um, so, yeah, I mean, and it's really, really like those are the couple things that I would say I look at the most. I mean, yeah. everything else is just kind of like, you know, obviously getting to know the people who are running it. Uh, like I said, the numbers, unless they have, previous experience and they've been in business for a few years it's not really a lot of numbers you know to it um but you know 
different businesses require kind of different levels of 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 uh, due diligence, right? You're buying an existing business, an HVAC business, right? That's been around for 10 years. That criteria is going to be different than a startup. So, but I've invested in kind of the whole gambit. So it's just uh, across the board though. But like, like I said, if I, if I believe in the person or the people who are running it, there's a really good chance I'm going to take that, you know, kind of investment due diligence to the next level off of just that, no matter if it's a startup or if it's a 10 year company with a lot of experience. I love that, man. I, you know, profound it's in the, in the ear of the beholder, I guess, whether that, but I do get asked a lot, like when you look at deals and I'm newer at this as, you know, for me, like I was a W2 guy kind of comfortable and then had my epiphany a few years ago, like probably a better way to live. So, you know, I pivoted to entrepreneurship and investing and I'm learning a ton, but the thing I've learned in that time is what you just said. A lot of people ask like, what are the criteria you have? And they want to know like, what percentage return should I be getting? Or uh, what multiple uh, equity multiple should I be sourcing or whatever? That's the question they're asking. And the answer, and people don't like really think of it often is who is it? I, I could get a 7% return with somebody that's got their stuff locked down. They're investing in technology. They got a great team. Or I could get a 10% return with somebody who just doesn't seem like they have much of, a, of an organization behind them. I'll take the 7% return all day over the mm-hmm. you know, projected 10% return. And I love what you said about kind of the, the mindset of the individual. So are they surrounding themselves with people who know what they're doing? Because that's such a key. There's an ego component, right? Like if they're not, right. why? You know, is it an ego thing? So let me ask you this then. Have you lost money on anything you invested with at this point? Um, and you don't have to get into the specific of, I lost it on this, but have you? And if so, what lessons did you learn about yourself, your strategy, you know, anything like that? Yeah. I mean, if somebody's come onto your show and said that they haven't lost money, that means they haven't been investing. <laughs> so the answer is yes, I have. And, uh, you know, the, the good thing is obviously is I've, I would never invest or put our, our, you know, our financial well-being in in harm in harm's way right like so sure. anything i've ever done you know even the largest investments i've ever done if they went to zero it would hurt it would not feel good but we our life would not change at all like not even a little bit so um so yeah i mean i've definitely lost money uh the biggest lessons i've learned from those one of those was early and that one you know the biggest thing i learned from that one was just absolutely drilling in on the people, right? Um, What's going on, everybody? It's Jamie. I'm jumping in real quick here because some people are listening to this podcast thinking, man, I hear this guest. I hear what they're talking about. This whole go abundance thing sounds pretty cool. I'd love to be a part of that. And I would say to you, if you are qualified to be part of GoBundance, you're a millionaire or accredited at the very least, jump on to GoBundance.com and just put your application in. You'll get on a call. It might even be with me where we can talk about what you're trying to do, what you're trying to accomplish, and what it is to be part of this community in depth. would love to have a conversation with you about that. It's been just so life-changing for me. And for those of you out there that are saying, yeah, sounds great. I would if I were a millionaire or if I were accredited, but I'm not there yet. We've got that now. We've built a program and I run it. I love, love being a part of it. I left my job for it called Emerge and ascend. Emerge is where you got to start. It's a 12-week intensive sprint goal-setting course. You're going to get curriculum every week. You're going to get live intervention every week. You're going to get connection with GoBundance members every week. You're going to get accountability from like-minded people every week. 
jump into that, kill it, and we invite you to ascend, which is essentially the GoBundance Mastermind without the million dollar requirement. And we actually even add in coaching to help folks find their purpose, their mission, their values. It's intense. It's, it's everything all wrapped in one. So again, if you're a millionaire or you're at least accredited and you're wondering about this GoBundance thing and that should I, shouldn't I, just apply. Throw your name in. You lose nothing. All you do is put your name into an application form. You get on a phone call and then you decide. If you're not yet at that million dollar mark, look at Emerge. GoBundance.com slash Emerge. And what you can do as well is drop my name in there, Jamie, J-A-M-I-E, and we'll knock 200 bucks off the tuition for Emerge. Jump in there and we'll get you started on your journey toward being a whole life millionaire, toward getting to GoBundance, whatever you want. People in Emerge, people in Ascend, people in GoBundance all report back often the changes it's made in their lives financially, relationally, and everywhere else. So go to GoBundance.com, check all of that out, see wherever you are, dive into that particular area of GoBundance, and we'd love to see you inside of the tribe. Now, back to our show. I knew, I knew one of the guys really well, but I didn't know the main guy very well. And so I kind of took it as, well, I know him, so he's working with this guy, so we should be good. And I didn't do enough due diligence on the person who was actually behind it. And, you know, he didn't do anything wrong. He just did everything wrong. That makes sense? <laughs> nothing illegal, like, nothing underhanded, yeah. nothing uh, right. immoral. Like but he just, he, just wasn't, he just wasn't competent on the actual situation, which I don't even blame him for that. Like, to tell you the complete truth, like, he went for it and – he thought he was ready and he wasn't. I'm the one who invested. I didn't have to invest. He didn't force me to invest. He just asked me or they just asked me and I said, yes. So I just, yeah, I definitely learned a, you, not only is it, oh, let's have a conversation once and then all of a sudden I'll invest, but it's, hey, like get to know the people and then do some research on the people and their background and, and, you know, their, their core competency, you know, and uh but other than that i mean everything behind what that whole investment was about was phenomenal i mean it was just about it was all about like kids and 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 just health and and everything else like so everything that like i would i love to be about it was great it's just that just wasn't the right people running it and like i said it's just not his fault it's my fault you know i take take full responsibility for that so um but yeah, I mean, that's one of the biggest things I learned from that. And then, you know, another, I mean, another, another one where I lost money, it's kind of the same thing where it's the people, <laughs> right? And so, uh, you know, try to give a, a, a young kid that I knew, okay, I didn't know him very well, but I, I knew him okay, try to give him a chance to, to do something uh, pretty significant and just wasn't able to get it done because he wasn't ready. He wasn't prepared. He wasn't um, wasn't competent for that job quite yet. And once again, that's on me for not identifying that, uh, before cutting these checks and, and allowing that, to you know, also lose money for me. So at the end of the day, you know, like I said, it's, that's the main, main thing. Like, like you yeah. talked about earlier, you said a great, operator great person great this and that giving you seven percent return or somebody you're questionable giving you 10 or 12 i'm taking the seven all day because it's the people right and so same thing here it's like even though this business sounds really attractive 
I'm not going to give, I'm not going to say, oh, well, yeah, I don't, I'm not sure if this guy's the right guy for it, but this business looks great. Like, I'm not going to do that. Right. Yeah. Because, because if it, if it's questionable, if the person's questionable to be able to get the job done, then it's probably a reason. So there's probably a reason why I'm questioning that person. Right. Right. <laughs> right? So I'm going to yeah. listen to that. I'm going to say, I love this business. It's a great business, but uh, not the right timing for me or whatever. Right. Yeah. Like just to make sure that, but it's just, that's just how I have to approach things like that. Did you know that looking back on those two? Like you said, you know, I knew the guy, not the main operator on the one. And the other guy was a younger kid. You were given a chance. Like if you think back, did you have, was there any part of you that was maybe a little bit like talked yourself into it? Like, was there an intuition that you can think back to to say, I probably, uh, yeah, I got to be talked into this one versus some of the other ones where you're just kind of full body. Yes. Do, do you recall that or, or maybe not? It's just like, Hey, I invested, I was really confident in it and I learned from it. And now I'm, I'm, you know, smarter. Yeah. And I think that, I'm not sure if I, uh, looking back or thinking back, these were both quite a while ago. I'm not quite sure I was like, oh yeah, this is going to work. I think I was talking myself into it almost yeah. more than I was, uh, you know, convinced that it was going to actually work. And so if I, you know, that's just, it was a while ago. I don't know exactly where my mind was, but I'm pretty sure I was more thinking, you know, it, it can be figured out, you know, given some time, given some, you know, whatever. And so I was almost like making uh, an excuse or making, justifying. making it, yeah. yeah, justifying it, you know, saying, oh yeah, yeah. See like that, this, yeah, he's young, but he, he can figure it out or whatever. Yeah. Like he's a hard worker. So, so it's like, well, that's not enough. Just being a hard worker is not enough to run a successful business. It's, it's a lot more than that. It's a lot more intuition, a lot more, um, uh, working smarter than harder uh, to be successful in business. So yeah, I definitely learned a lot in those. And then, like I said, both of, both of those things are very much geared towards just the people. It's funny. I, I've been working so hard for me on that, that on hearing that authentic voice on anything that I do, right? Whether it's time I'm going to commit money, I'm going to commit whatever, especially as I'm navigating this new entrepreneurial world for me. And it's like, do your kids play Minecraft? Uh, my oldest son does. Yeah. Yeah. So like, you know how they lay down the blocks real quick, like, you know, did, 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 one after the other. It's like that first block is often like the thing that, you know, your it's your intuition, but before you know it, the second, third, fourth block, like you layer on behind it with all these justifications and thoughts or whatever. But like that first block is hard to hear. It's, it's hard to hear that initial, that initial voice, that authentic voice. And then even mm -hmm. harder is that pause, that kind of Victor Frankl pause of, is this fear or is this, just is this intuition? Like, what is this? Am I just afraid or am I, but man, before you know it, your, your voice is justifying everything beyond that. And it's hard, like you said, to go back and think like, man, I guess so. You know, I think there's probably an initial feeling of like, maybe I shouldn't do this, but I quickly talked myself past it. So I don't know. I think that's, yeah. I think that's yeah. Brilliant. Our brain, our brains are pretty incredible uh, to yeah. be able to like, yeah, we can, we can justify or, or convince ourselves of just about anything. No right. Doubt. And yeah. which is, which is scary a little bit because it makes you realize if you are not aware of, if you don't have self-awareness, then you're going to convince yourself that a lot of things that are good for, that you, you're going to convince yourself. A lot of things are good for you that are absolutely not right. And 
you know, one of the one of the stories I remember hearing, I mean, probably over a decade ago, was about this lady, and it's basically just speaking to the power of the mind. And this lady literally was convinced that she was pregnant, right? I don't know what convinced her, but she was like, I'm pregnant. All right, cool. So her belly starts growing and she gets morning sickness and she gets this and all these, like all the things that pregnant women get, her body started going through the, through the motions and she ends up going to the doctor. I don't know, a couple months later or whatever. And the doctor's like, you're not pregnant and you never were pregnant. Like you didn't lose the baby, like nothing. Like, I don't know what the heck just happened. But her, she was convinced that she was pregnant and her body literally changed in and had all the symptoms of being pregnant. So when I heard that story, I was like, okay, is this some, some trick or whatever? And, and to t- tell you the truth, I never like went on, I never like went and called the lady and was like, hey, is this true? <laughs> right? But, I, you know, it, was, it seemed like it was a pretty reputable source. So yeah. I'm pretty sure it was a true story. And it just, it's always stuck with me. Right. For, you know, ever since I heard it, because it just makes me realize how powerful this can be. Uh, it literally can create real life change, like physical change by just thinking something. And right. so it just made me realize how powerful this is. So now, now, now apply that to business or apply that to basketball or anything else. You say, well, if I don't have this thinking in the right direction, uh, it's going to work against me, right? And and if 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 a lady can convince herself that she's pregnant, why can't I convince myself that I'm a better basketball player than I am, or a better businessman than I am? Like like hey, like this right here, it starts right here. And if you don't think that you're capable of being a CEO or being a a entrepreneur, you're not. Like if you don't think that you're capable of doing it, you're just absolutely not. So you shouldn't even try. <laughs> yeah. Like because it's not going to work. If you're not here, if you're not saying here, right here, that I can be, and I can not only can I be an entrepreneur, I can be an ultra successful worth eight figures entrepreneur. If you, if you don't have that mindset and you can't think like that, then I would suggest you to just stay at your job because it's not going to work out if you don't have it here first. Wow, man, that's powerful. And now I'm just thinking like, should I convince myself I could be in the NBA? You've met me. I got the physical now, the, frame for it. The uh, the mind only has it's only certain things the mind can do, right? Like it, it only goes so far. <laughs> Come on, man! I thought you were gonna give me like, hey, look, there was Spud Webb, there was Muggsy Bogues, like yeah, littler guys yeah. have done it, but you've seen me. No. Yeah, sorry, Jimmy. Damn. Yeah. All right. Well, let's uh, certain, certain <laughs> things, man. There's certain things. It's not gonna happen. I appreciate you. I appreciate your honesty. Thank you for that. Um, I want to pivot on a couple of things. So let's talk about faith for a moment, because I know this plays a large role in your life. How does faith inform you in business and life generally? Can you give me a sense of, you know, where did your faith come from? Is that something your mom gave you? Like you're, you're very rooted in that uh, from what I can tell. Where's that yeah. from and how does that inform you on a day-to-day basis? Yeah. So, I mean, you know, I always say that, you know, we didn't grow up in a, uh, you know, you're prototypical Christian home, you know, going to church every Sunday and maybe every Wednesday for Bible study or whatever it may be like that wasn't our home. Uh, but we, we grew up in a home of knowing w- what our source was. Right. And uh, I, I would say a God fearing home. And, 
and my mom, you know, being a single mother and a teacher, it, the weekends, you know, when we talk about waking up early to go to church, that was the last thing she wanted to do because she woke up early all week trying to, you know, deal with these kids. And so uh, we would go to church some, not a lot, but, you know, so it was always, you know, a, a part of my, my growing up, but the, you know, when I turned 12 is whenever uh, I came to faith and to and actually know Jesus for myself. And so that's uh, kind of whenever things shifted for myself. And, you know, and of course, it wasn't just night and day, like next day, all of a sudden, I was some perfect person or kid or whatever. It's like, still a process it's a roller coaster, right? Like it's still still life, a lot of ups and downs, great things and bad things have happened and horrible choices over the years, of course, even after. Uh, but but you know, through God's grace, I've had a very, very good, very, very great life, uh, you know, uh, and, and just continue to have uh, such a great life. And so, you know, as far as my faith goes and how that has impacted my basketball and business and everything else is, you know, I, I always look back to my, I think it was my going from sophomore year to junior year, I went over to France with a, a group called Athletes in Action. And we had a great group of guys, including my best friend, Dane Watts, who played with me at Creighton, and then a bunch of other guys from a bunch of other schools around the country. Uh, long story short, we played we played some uh, high level France uh, French teams, uh, Division One and Division Two, I think, uh, from over there. And uh, our theme for that week or week and a half, however long we were there, was audience of one. And you know, I didn't know what that really meant uh, going into the week, but by the end of that week, it became pretty much my life motto, which is really changing my perspective of basketball, but really changing my perspective of life. You know, if you do things trying to please or serve, uh, you know, the audience, say if you're in basketball, you got 20,000 fans in the stands and you're trying to please them and be perfect for them and not make mistakes and, you know, impress them. Uh, yeah, you could possibly do that some it's probably going to happen some sure hmm. but if you if you do that there's going to be a ton of inconsistencies right fans are super inconsistent you know one day they're your best friend and then the next day they hate you right like perfect example just recently a uh, good buddy of mine John Morant he just came back from injury he was out for I don't even know how long but he was out for a while and the team played really well and so they beat they beat the Oklahoma City Thunder by our NBA record 73 points Holy without God. John Morant, right? So unbelievable, right? Like just an unbelievable game, right? Perfect storm of, of all good things. Well, he comes back, first game they play against, first team they play against when he came back was Oklahoma City Thunder, and they lose oh boy. to that same team. And so there was fans who earlier in the season were chanting MVP, MVP for John Morant, right? Because, hey, he was playing unbelievable before he got hurt. And those same fans are now saying, hey, Ja, go sit back down. Like, you need to, like, we're losing. You're back, but we're losing, you know. So, you know, for me, that's a perfect example of why 
when you play for the audience, it's it's going to be inconsistent. It's going to be ups and downs. The, they're going to let you down, right? Yeah. But if you play for an audience of one, which is literally just focusing on playing to glorify God. Now, what does that mean, right? Some people say, well, how do you even do that? Like what, <laughs> God doesn't care about stats, right? He cares about you using every single bit of your effort and every single bit of your ability to, to glorify in the Bible it talks about doing things as you're as if you're doing it for Christ, right? So why did, why wouldn't that apply to anything that you do in sports or in business or whatever? So if you're a janitor, you better come every day, have a good attitude and do your job and do it at the best of your ability and beyond what other people think, because you represent not only yourself, but you represent Christ, right? Yeah. Uh, as a believer. And so the same thing with basketball. So as soon as I started focusing on audience of one, I'm not worried about stats. I'm not worried about people. I'm not worried about fans, the people, the, the media. I'm not worried about any of that stuff. All I did was focus on, all I'm going to focus on is playing as hard as I can, doing what I can, maximizing what God has blessed me with. And at the end of this game, if I do that, I'm satisfied. And it doesn't matter what other people think. Mm -hmm. And literally from then, from that moment, for that, from that summer till now has been the last, 16 years of my basketball career which has been the two years in college where I played the best and then 14 years playing professional basketball wow. so I yeah. mean that's it's it the, the mindset shift it literally changed everything it changed everything in my life it changed everything uh in my basketball career and you know I suspect it's going to do the same in in business where you know I'm you know audience of one for sure still applies to business but i'm also not focusing on just myself my stats right. like so so instead of my stats i'm not really focused on my wealth at all like i'm not i'm actually focused on others i'm, I'm focused on my family and friends yeah. and and how i can help them be more successful and and just doing that has really same thing it's really just shifted you know my abilities to, to be even more effective. Wow, man. And look, I want to be respectful of your time. I'm going to, I'm just going to, I want to ask a follow-up uh, and then we'll close. I want to talk about the book here for a second, but um, the audience of one, that is amazing. By the way, that was incredible. That that's a sound bite that I'll play back for me. And that's no BS. That was awesome. Is that the difference or is it something else? You're a 14 year NBA veteran undrafted. There are plenty of guys drafted, you know, high first round, mid first round, second round, whatever it might be that flame out two, three years in and some injury. I get it, but I'm just, is, is that sort of thinking the difference that you've seen in guys with staying power in the elite of the elite, the NBA versus the guys that maybe flame out? Is, is that the difference? Is it something different? Like what is the secret or the, the, I don't know if it's a secret or the, the, the special cocktail that allowed you 14 years that you've seen other guys, maybe this is what they're not doing. It's this thing. Is it that, is it audience of one, is it something else kind of curious your perspective? Yeah, for me. Yes. I would say that, I mean, my faith and my, the foundation of my faith, the, the indestructible self-confidence that I have through knowing that my, that God's plans will supersede any other human's plans. Uh, meaning, if it is meant for me, 
doesn't matter who is against it as an individual, they are not going to succeed in keeping me from what I'm, what's mine, right? And vice versa. Also, on the other end, if, I, if it doesn't come my way, then it's not meant for me anyway. So I'm not going to dwell on it. There's no need to because that's not what God had for me. So we talk about some of these big contracts, different things like that over the course of my career. I've seen a lot of guys get paid a whole lot of money. And I've got paid decent too, right? So it's not like I'm complaining at all. But I've never been the guy that says, man, I'm better than him. How did he get 50 million or 100 million? And I didn't. You know, I'm, that thought might cross my brain for one split second. And then I realize that's not for me. That's his blessing. That's not mine, right? And in some cases, it might end up being a curse, right? Because sometimes that money, too much money given to the wrong person at the wrong time, actually be a curse instead of a blessing so i never look at another man's pockets and say oh man that that should have been me or that could have been me why wasn't it me and now i'm questioning god's plan right so i I never ever ever do that um so i mean that that's for me that's that's the secret sauce right like that is the secret sauce is the audience of one never putting myself above others um and, and making sure that I focus on others uh, for, you know, and that's what has made me, you know, the teammate that I've been, right? Like it's in order to do the job that I, I've done in the NBA, you have to be selfless, not selfish, right? You have to, otherwise you're going to be toxic and you're going to be a bad teammate because I was literally talking about this yesterday. My, the hardest job to me in the NBA is, from being, if you're player eight to player 11, right? One through seven, you're going to play and you're going to play a lot. You pretty much know you're going to play every single night. You probably know exactly when you're going in, almost exactly like all those one through seven is not to say it's easy. It's still a hard job. Eight to 11. Sorry, not the other part, 11 to 15 you're probably not going to play <laughs> almost certainly you're not going to play. So you can kick your butt, you can get your butt kicked before game. You can run, you can lift, you can do all this different stuff. And then you can just relax, have some food and just go sit on the bench and cheer your team on. Cause you're not playing. Right. right. But eight to 11, you have to be ready to play two minutes, zero minutes or 25 minutes. Uh, right. Yeah. So it's really, really hard to prepare in mentally and physically for 25 minutes every single night and only get two or, or zero, right? If you're prepared, prepare, 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 and you're getting zero, 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 that takes a whole lot of this. It takes a whole lot of mental, um, you know, stability <laughs> to be able to, to do that at a high level. And so that's what separates to me. Now, in order for me to keep that mental stability, my mind is me leaning on my faith, right? Other people, I can't speak to exactly how they were able to do it but in order to do that long term stick in the league long term you have to have a whole lot of mental stability that that allows you to stick through those moments that are just absolutely brutal like there's just it just is it's mentally like taxing 
so many parallels to life in there, just whether you're in a job or in an entrepreneurial endeavor, building a business, like, you know, you might be in that 11 to 15 right now where you got to prepare, but likely nothing's going to happen for a bit, but maybe you move up to the eight to 11 where great week and then nothing for three weeks, your business explodes for a week and then nothing, right. Until you can get yourself into that top seven where you've got consistency and drive, but it takes all the, you got to be prepared the entire time. I think that's brilliant, man. I could go another hour, even though, even though you destroyed my NBA dreams, I can go another hour with questions. I mean, we can go back to 12 years old. What happened that whatever, but I want to talk about this book for a second here. So foundation for financial excellence. Tell me about the motivation behind this and uh, where people can find it. Yeah. Um, find it on Amazon, uh, amazon.com. There's uh, it's uh, it's been the number one seller uh, in a couple of different categories multiple times. So it's been a, been a great, great, great book for a lot of people. And it, it, we really targeted um, college athletes, but all the things in there are really not just for college athletes. Like a lot of the examples and stories and stuff uh, were kind of more geared towards college athletes, but the foundational principles in there are for anybody, right? Uh, I'm talking from 10 years old all the way up to 65 years old. It, it doesn't really matter. So, uh, so I would say, you know, anybody who has, you know, that whoever doesn't feel like they have a real good handle on the foundational uh, things you need to, to really understand finances and really understand uh, financial literacy and success, then I would say this book is, is for you. So, uh, and, I, and I always give credit where, where credit's due. Ryan is, Schockner, he is the, the author. Uh, he wrote the entire book. And uh, I am just a contributor, right? So there is uh, each chapter, at the end of each chapter, there's a, a section called Tolliver Takes. And so in each, after each chapter, um, I kind of give my two cents on that particular subject, whether it be uh, credit or whether it be something else, uh, taxes or whatever. Uh, I just give my two cents on, uh, you know, what I believe, kind of how I, how I approach it. And, you know, if there's any, you know, any, any other nuggets uh, I try to throw in there as well. But uh, Ryan's, Ryan's the man behind the book. And then I'm, I'm just, uh, you know, a sidekick. Got it. Got it. Well, either way, I, I did have a chance to read through a good chunk of it. And you're right. This is relevant for, you know, not just a college athlete, like you said, it's kind of written geared toward, but it's a, you know, it's a really good, I don't know, foundation. That's the name of the title, right? Foundation for financial excellence. So Anthony, where can people uh, look you up, follow you? Where, where do you want to direct folks so they can learn more about what you're doing day to day? Um, LinkedIn is good for business stuff. Um, going to be a lot more active on that in 2022. Uh, sure. but in, Instagram is kind of my main, my, my main social values is, uh, at a Tolliver 44. And, uh, you know, there's a whole lot new websites coming soon. Uh, so that's going to be pretty awesome. It's going to have, it's going to be a lot more robust than anything I've ever put out before. It's actually going to really highlight a lot of the, the great things that I'm doing and being a part of and, uh, just kind of bring more people into my world. I've been a, I've been an open book, but I've been kind of private on everything else, <laughs> right? Like on, on business stuff, I've let people know I'm in business, but I don't really let people know exactly what I'm doing. Yeah. But now I'm just kind of letting people into my world and letting them know, Hey, like, this is all what I'm doing and, um, would love to, you know, continue to have the support that I've received so far. So building that brand, man, I love it. And again, it's been a privilege getting to know you. Will you be in park city able to make that or no? I won't be able to make Park City, but uh, hoping to uh, make another uh, event or two this year for, for Go Abundance. That'd be, uh, 
you know, a lot of, a lot of fun, man. The last two events I've been to have been amazing. Yeah. No, again, hope to, hope to see you there again. It's, we got to get those twin picks. I, we just, this, the similarity, man, it's ridiculous. Very, me and my, me and my daughter, I'm sure my daughter would probably get us confused if you put it next to each other. Right. Right. My son as well. My son as well. Yeah. Never mind. I'm up to your nipple. That's about the height I've got. So <laughs> I appreciate you being on, man. Thanks for the time today. We'll see you soon. Absolutely. The wrong tribe confounds. The right tribe compounds. Get your free copy of the runaway bestseller, Tribe of Millionaires, a $20 value at tribeofmillionaires.com free. Just pay the shipping. That's tribeofmillionaires.com. Thank you for tuning in to the GoBundance podcast. We hope to see you at a live event in the near future. If you're new to us, here's a quick explanation of our programs. Number one, Emerge, a web-based journey for millionaires to be. Number two, Ascend an interactive mastermind, the next stage of our journey. Number three, GoBundance Elite, the original tribe of millionaires. Number four, GoBundance Champions, five million net worth and above. Number five, GoBundance Women, a tribe of amazing badass women. For detailed information on all five of these, simply find us at GoBundance.com. Until then, grab life big.